There is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. This is the dimension of imagination. It's an area in which we call the Twilight Zone, and the bears are living in it as they smash the Raiders 30 to six in a game that Nick and I are so stoked to break down. Everything's going great today so far as of about 3 p.m. The Giants win, the Patriots win. We talk about it all on this episode of Bear With Us. What's going on, everybody? My name is Robert Schmitz of The Bears Blog. I'm here with my co-host, Nick Whalen of Football Guys. Nick, how you doing? Oh, fantastic. You kidding me? I mean, the Bears win. You know, we both liked Bajent. He looks way better, right? I mean, it's like do it in preseason. That's one thing. Do it in a real NFL game. That's another thing. Jalen Johnson learned how to catch a football, and then he can't keep his helmet on, but he caught the football a couple times. It's a great day, man. <laughs> oh, awesome day. And I mean, Nick, for goodness sakes. Okay, so like, I guess, where do you where do you want to start? I've got a place that I could start, but I'm trying not to be too inflammatory, right? Um, I want to say that Chicago blew them out and didn't play a perfect game. No, but I do want to point out that in the world of what they got at quarterback, because I guess that's what I feel like people are going to magnify on. Or maybe I'm part of the toxic problem. And if I am, I'm sorry, right? But so if Fields is a big play hunter that is going to make mistakes in exchange for massive shots downfield, Tyson Bajant played the opposite game. And I'm honestly stunned he was this clean as a rookie on his first start. Because that's the real yep. key, right? Him grinding his way down the field with little quick passes, quick screens, quick throw over the middle, the occasional bootleg that he's going to throw along the sidelines and allow that to exist whether or not they, somebody makes the play. That wasn't the surprise. But I expected a misread. I expected a fritzier pocket moment than the worst one he had, which was when he, what, crawled out of the back of the pocket instead of stepping up around the third quarter, and he still got a throw-off to an actual receiver to where grounding was by no means on the table. Like, I'm... It's not like I'm blown away by what... or by what Bajit did on the football field in the grander scale of things, Nick, but I'm pretty surprised that a rookie really played that clean a game and set his team up for we have to say this a team win on offense everybody contributed it wasn't Mm -hmm. one guy doing one thing it was just that the quarterback didn't offer i any negative plays outside of that last drive Mm -hmm. which i mean i don't know that you count that last drive a whole lot that was just trying to waste the clock but i mean i mean you had 39 year olds you know they're they're contributing today blasting game broke a tackle you know i mean i mean literally you were talking about team effort i mean every i mean santos again from 54 clean i mean i saw everybody plays from most bears today uh, which you can't say that because most games it's like oh this guy completely let them down it was like they all had a high floor and played near average and they had a couple of guys that played really good and that's enough to win football games. Like that's the thing that we've been missing is like Mm -hmm. the bears normally don't have this floor of like, Hey, we just played solid and we just beat a team because we've normally have someone or some 
drastic thing happens, it's negative and it costs us wins. I mean, Nick, it's just like you said on the pregame pod. I remember you saying verbatim when they get to around the four yard line, Cody Whitehair, Larry Borum and Lucas Patrick are going to take over the line of scrimmage and Deonta Foreman's going to charge up the gut for the Bears first touchdown of the game. Like everything was working. 62 was feisty out there. Like there's a reason I opened up with the Twilight Zone intro and it's because this game was so good it's almost confusing like this is the game that somebody spent all march may june july thinking about where Mm -hmm. maddie berflus's cover two defense would force the opponent to grind their way down the field the long way and eventually their quarterback would screw up and certainly horrier did more than once or a guy would make a play like tyreek stevenson like jalen johnson certainly did at the end of the game while on the other side of the ball, the Bears would just leverage a ground attack that they built all throughout 2022 to beat the tar out of a front to cross from them and ask their quarterback to only make the plays that he really needed to. I mean, yeah. this was, I mean, it's clinical. By I mean, I mean, I mean even, even more Twilight Zone is the best, one of the best receivers in the game dropped an open touchdown oh wide open too now I mean, that, that made it weird I it was, was like, so Whoa. funny though because in the world of the way the ball bounced i don't know if you felt this way but it felt to me like the ball bounced pretty evenly like weirdly evenly because chicago ate some bad calls right on the nose i thought that dpi call that extended the drive by tyreek stevenson bailed yep. the raiders out of like a first and 25 was ridiculous mm-hmm. i thought yep. there were a couple more call like a couple of the holding calls were somewhere between ticky tack and oh come on really you're gonna call yep. that right now but mm-hmm. one of the early big impact plays of the game was brian hoyer skimming a pass off of uh Gosh, Josh Jacobs' hands, and it just happens to bounce straight to Tremaine Edmonds, who picks it yeah. off, yeah. and and the Bears cash in. So you got two, like to the in talking about the ball bouncing, Devonte Adams drops a pass that I think he'd want back. DJ Moore pulled a pass into his gut and somehow didn't end up completing a touchdown pass. But the yeah. immediate play after that, did you see Deontay Foreman catching a checkdown? pulling the ball back into the middle of the field and then charging up the gut into the end zone. Did, did you have that on your bingo scorecard? Cause I didn't. Well, like, well if, you, if you looked at my DFS teams, you know, I invested heavily in Deontay Foreman, but I didn't oh, predict that. Oh, and, so you went off today then. Oh, I, oh, it's, I mean, we got some second half games here, but yeah, it's going to be another good day for me. But also um, on my bingo scorecard, I didn't have Deontay Foreman hurtling over people. I don't remember him more than once that in college. <laughs> I was so, like, what? It's like what's going on, but 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 like I said, I mean, probably like two minutes ago, I I did not think Mercedes Lewis. I I mean, for a minute there, he was yes. going. I was like, oh, please score! That'd be so sweet to have a thirty-nine so year old awesome. guy get a touchdown, and he fell short. But I mean, it was. I mean, honestly, aside from probably Larry Borum with a couple of holds and obviously had some pressures. I mean, he probably had the worst game today of a Chicago Bear. Can you think of anyone else? Um, in the world of bad games. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to have to like work, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so Darn, funny. Darnell, Darnell Mooney was involved again. When we have sat here talking, and again, I can't say this enough. We are not trying to assess good or bad, right? This play, this kind of game might not work if your run game isn't grinding 
like they were. But we did see them do this with a weaker offensive line last year. So that's part of why you and I were sitting here like WTF for like Mm -hmm. five post games in a row on saying, where did this run game go? Like, we know you can do it. Where did it go? And Mm -hmm. so it's funny looking at this Bears team because could they beat the Bills this way? Well, you know, in your head, when you hear that question, you go, not really. But then the Bills have now played massively down to competition two weeks in a row. And it reminds you that, I mean, anybody's on the table. Like next week, next week, for instance, uh, Sunday Night Football didn't flex the Bears out. And all of a sudden, if the Chargers charger the moment, the Bears could absolutely be in that game because they're not a team that defends the run outstandingly well. And God forbid, Elijah, or like, not Elijah. Where did that come from? Whoever the coach whose name escapes me, Kellen Moore. Brandon Staley? Kellen Moore was what I was looking oh. for. God forbid Kellen Moore and Justin Herbert can't move the ball against a Bears defense that I would have told you has been letting, allowing everybody to throw on it for weeks, but they haven't. Like, I, I will have to go look at the tape and figure out what's going on because this wasn't score pressure. We Maybe it's just Brian Hoyer not playing well, which is totally on the table, but the Bears defense, Nick, they asked the or they asked the Raiders to keep making throws against them for eight to ten yards at a time, and eventually they would just miss a play, and suddenly that was a third down in the Bears' pocket. And you almost have to tip your cap to the defensive strategy working, even though it's awfully late in the season. Like you're already one and five in the tank at this point, but you get it right now. You're two and five. Like you're a scrappy NFL team, and walking mm-hmm. into Sunday Night Football with this kind of identity. You've got a puncher's chance. You know what I'm saying? Well, I oh, I think no, I, I agree with you there because I mean anything can happen, and it, I mean the Chargers have had up and down games, and I mean Chicago has had mostly down games for the last two and a half years. <laughs> so th- this this definitely games. feels nice. But you know, you you touched on this, and this is I think is one of the biggest parts of this entire game is third down. Third down today, the rate I almost said Oakland, the Las Vegas Raiders. It gets were, you. I still say San Diego sometimes. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. The, the Raiders were two and nine on third down mm-hmm. and that's including they converted one or two really late on those drives that didn't really matter anymore. And then Chicago was eight of 13, including not converting a couple of those late that didn't really matter. Like you want to talk about like the meat of this game, mm-hmm. Chicago converted, which led to points and the Raiders <laughs> didn't convert, which led to punts. Like and that's it, that, that's the ball game. And it's so funny to see it because <laughs> It, the biggest third down of the game, I would argue, was Tyson Bajant looking for Darnell Mooney on a deep out. Wasn't there. Looks back into Tyler Scott on the dig over the middle. Finds nice. Tyler Scott on a third and seven. Moves the chains. Ultimately turns into the Bears' touchdown drive. And mm-hmm. suddenly they're up seven to nothing on a score. Well, and gained confidence for him, play callers, the team, everything. They went three and out on their first drive. Like, you need those. I mean, you're the one who's been on the sidelines, but let me just make an assumption and let you talk to me about it. You do need a player to kind of make a play for you once in a while. And then that lets everybody breathe, right? Mm -hmm. Because that lets Mm -hmm. you get back to where you want to be on the call sheet, first and 10, left side of the hash, in between the 40s. This is what we're doing against this look. Did we get it? Yes, seven yards. Like, Mm -hmm. then suddenly you roll in again, right? Yeah, Yeah. Oh, boy, that's why... You know, momentum is a thing. I mean, we, we all played NBA Jam, you know, like he's heating mm-hmm. up, he's on fire. Like all that stuff is real. And especially when 
you've had some down games in a row, like Chicago has, and you start doubting yourself, doubting your play calling, doubting your teammates, and you start fighting. Like I've seen all of that on the sideline, on the field. And when you have someone that you believe in, you saw it in the preseason, you saw it, you know, early in this game and throughout this game, it just makes everyone else kind of exhale. And then you're fine. Yep. We can just execute the regular offense. And again, it's a different offense, but I saw a lot of guys not pointing fingers or getting mad on the sidelines. It was just very calm, which is what you want. And it had to be fun because I've always heard every it's not an accident, Nick, that every time they let an offensive lineman talk, whether it's Howie Long, whether it's Andrew Whitworth, (laughs) whether it's any offensive lineman. uh, What was it? Mark Schlereth forever. What do they say? They say a three letter sentence or not a three letter, three word sentence. They say run the ball. Right. Offensive lineman love to pound the rock and Mm -hmm. it felt as if the bears continuing to stick with the ground game because it didn't get off the ground immediately right but they kept pounding and that extra third and seven i really don't want to make too much of a wide open pass over the middle of the field that got converted against the bears a couple times like it's not as if tyson's pass was otherworldly or something but it seemed like that pass unlocked a freedom to play that the offensive line then turned into a bullying attitude. And like you're talking about from there, the success just fed on more success. I mean, Mm -hmm. Darrington Evans, he somehow ends up running uh, 3.4 yards per carry. It felt like he was ripping off gainer after gainer after gainer when he touched the ball. Maybe he was just suffering from a whole bunch of holding calls and you got to, he he had a 14 yard call back. That was one of his, right? And you have to tip your cap where the cap needs to be tipped. If Tyson Bajant did one thing really well, in my opinion, it's that he had nearly no negative plays. And he had a lot of opportunities for Mm -hmm. not even just sacks, like incompletions, pressure that turned into a throwaway that he'd click out two yards, three yards. I mean, the guy ends up with a 5.6 average per pass, 29 passing attempts, 162 yards, one score, but you're going to be hard pressed to get me to say that Tyson Bajan continuing to basically emulate running downs on passing downs that didn't go according to plan. Didn't help keep the offense right where they wanted to be. And Hey, mm-hmm. 29 dropbacks with one sack. Haven't seen that in an awfully long time. Yeah. Well, I mean, and we, oh, well, there, there was, there were two sacks. They only have him credited. Oh, the, the second one was Nathan Peterman for what it's worth. Yeah, I got you. I well, I see two in the stat sheet, but but the thing that I liked, and you, we've seen this for a while, and we've talked about it, is when you extend plays, mm-hmm. and he converted multiple first downs with his legs, and one of my favorite things, and I've talked about this on on the pod before, is just how Bajan's attitude, just um, everything doesn't seem like the moment is too big for him. He's just like, yeah, right. it's cool. I've I've done this forever. I've played football. Like it's just a football game. Like that's how he. He looks, which I think just gives everyone else confidence, but nothing said it more than when he rolled out right and he knows he's going to run, but he stops, pumps, and then runs for like that 12 yard on the right sideline early, I think of the first quarter or second quarter. Yep. And it's just like, why does he do that? To get the defender to go further inside so then he can run for more yardage. It's just like in your first start, you're doing the little things to gain more yards, not just, <laughs> oh, I'll get whatever I can. Like, he doesn't have the nerve part of it. So the, I think one of the, the coolest things, no matter what happens with the bears and we'll have all these talks about what happens at quarterback and blah, 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 blah. I know people are excited at a minimum 
Chicago has found their backup quarterback for the next four years. And that's the thing, right? I really, really liked what we saw from Tyson Pageant today. I will go to bat for this kid because I have a feeling the All-22 is going to be really, really kind to him, especially, again, continuing to dig himself out of what could have created trouble. We saw what those holding calls did to the Bears' offense. A sack would have killed them on any of these drives. So Mm -hmm. they just didn't take any. Uh, outside of, again, really late parts of the game where the sacks weren't going to be crippling the way that I think maybe they could have been. Point being that I don't think Tyson showed today. We'll see. But I don't think he showed today that he's got he's going to be like the starter for the Bears. I mean, the Bears will likely should they end up at the top of the draft one way or another. And it's been a huge day. For draft position, by the way, that's a whole separate side story. The Patriots stealing a win against the Buffalo Bills, the Giants reminding us that they are a normal NFL team. They can get their defensive line working and shutting down the Washington Commanders who are falling hard right now, if you ask me. Like Mm -hmm. that puts extra distance between the Carolina Panthers, who are obviously winless, and the rest of these one loss teams. You got Denver playing later today against Green Bay. Who knows how that game's going to go? And then Arizona, who's getting Kyler Murray back fairly soon. It is still likely that even if the Bears, dare I say it, Nick, string together some competitive games, find their way to the four win mark that I did not think was possible. It is very likely, all the same, the Bears will get a really high pick from Carolina unless they show similar moxie coming up. But they're just falling behind in a quick Mm -hmm. way. So if the Bears end up drafting a rookie quarterback that has a higher ceiling than Bajent, Tyson is exactly the kind of guy, based on what we saw today, that you want behind him. The Cooper Mm -hmm. Rush, right? The Case Keenum. The Taylor Heineke. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, actually, I, so I, I was I was halfway paying attention to you because because you you sparked an idea for me that I wanted to look at in this ball game because um to stay with your point I completely agree with you like those guys th- that has such a value on your team because mm-hmm. if people dive into you know Bears history which I assume a lot of you are listening to this podcast because you love the Bears like we do you remember the NFC Championship game against the Packers where Cutler goes out with a knee injury, right? They brought in a veteran that was on the team, and Earl Bennett tells this story. If you don't know this story, this is a great story. Oh, man, is this Todd Collins? This is the Todd Collins story, right? So Todd Collins was on the team because he's a veteran. He's ready for you know to step in if you need him. Like That's why he's on this team. And do you, do you remember the story, Robert? Oh, I remember what Todd Collins did in this game. Well, okay, so the story is, right? So that, that was the the... Uh, I don't know, I guess the reputation that the teammates yes. had. They're like, oh, yep, okay, now we're ready to go because he's there. He got in the game, and he was scared. He was nervous, and he did nothing. Like, And all of them knew it, and they were like, game's done. So then what did they do? They brought in Caleb Haney, who's basically like Bajent, right? Just like right. a rookie, a young guy with no experience. And he did way better because the moment wasn't too big for him. So sometimes these teams have guys, you know, Chase Daniel, right? Chicago had where like those guys can help you in spot starts or if someone gets hurt or, you know, whatever happens, you know, a series here or there. We saw Chad Henney do it in the, with the chiefs last year in the playoffs, but then you have these other guys, you're like, Oh, this guy can fill in and they can't. And that has huge value. Right. But what I was doing while you were talking about that is I was looking at, cause I specifically remember there were, there were multiple penalties that really crushed Chicago today. There mm-hmm. were a couple of 
holds. I think maybe three of those, two on Borum, one on Jenkins, I believe. And then there were some false starts as well. And I was like, man, like how much did that hurt Chicago? And I looked and there were, it was a false start by Cole Komet mm-hmm. early in the drive. I think the first play. And there's another one I think side, by, by yeah. And they overcame both of them. I looked because they, they still converted and one was a touchdown drive. Another was a field goal drive, which that also adds into this, whatever you want to call hype of Tyson Bajan that, Oh no, it's first and 15. We're a run based offense right now, but I still can right. help us convert to, to stay ahead of the chains and keep this thing going. Because when you don't take negative plays, a first and 15, you're like, okay, I'll get a five yard completion here, seven yard completion here, a five yard run here. And we're still going to be in a manageable third down. It's not going to be third and 15. Good luck. Right. And I mean, to, to that exact point, first holding call of the game, Bears fall to first and 20. What's the next play? Quick 11-yard slant to Darnell Mooney. Boom, it's second and nine. You're not on schedule on schedule, but especially starting at first and 20, yeah, you're happy where you are. Bears end up setting up a third and six that they don't get because they go with a screen that just doesn't land. But hey, you're in a decent down and distance here. It's those third and 17s where you throw the white flag up. You know what I mean? Did those drive you nuts today? The screens? Yes. They worked sometimes. Like... Luke Getzey clearly loves himself a screen. Like, I mean, they called a million screens and they've been calling a million screens with Justin in the first place. Like they, I get it. The screen is at times one of the most underrated plays in football because I'm not even playing games. Like you can get some massive gainers off of just what is basically a dump off pass if you Mm -hmm. catch the defense of the right look. But I'm never going to argue with you, man that the screens that don't go well are some of the most piteous looking plays in the game. Like, well, I mean, when I was a coordinator, I used them all the time because that was like an extension of our run game. We couldn't right. run very well inside. So if the numbers and box count was fine, I did, we just threw it. But the thing that drives me nuts and why I think it's not effective for Chicago is DJ Moore, Tyler Scott, and Darnell Mooney, who are basically our top three receivers right now. They're all smaller in stature. Moore's the only one that's got anything. So, like, when you have to have the other guy block to set things up, it doesn't go well. Equinemus St. Brown is not playing. Chase Claypool is not here anymore. I mean, if you're going to do something like that, put Mercedes Lewis or someone else out there that can just literally maul a DB or a right edge guy. Man, it is so funny looking at this. Speaking of just, like, Chase Claypool, etc., because... I don't know how Chase Claypool would have fit into this offense. Like, I know we're weeks away from it. I know we're kind of belaboring a point that you've talked about earlier. But this, the the glove fits, or I guess the shoe fits, is a better way that I should put that. Uh, it's, it's interesting watching this offense. I don't know how it'll work against a good defense like the saints for instance this is the this is exactly the kind of offensive attack that the saints would just eat you have to push the ball downfield against a defense like that because yep. they'll just push eight to nine guys up on the line of scrimmage beat the tar out of you in press and make your backup quarterback throw down the field on things like slot fades deep corners deep bounce all the stuff that maybe tyson would rather not throw if he doesn't have to but man against the raiders today awesome stuff here's a fun little tidbit for once the bears uh the bears targeted a similar amount of players as the other team. 
I've actually been following this for a little while. Normally their targets are pretty focused on specific dudes, but here they get a target or they get nine targets to DJ Moore. They get four to Darnell Mooney, five to Deontay Foreman, three to Tyler Scott, who's actually looking pretty fast now that he's playing in like it alongside a quarterback that I don't want to say knows how to use him. That's not fair. It's more like a quarterback that practiced with him. I wouldn't blame DJ Moore for, or yeah. DJ Moore and Justin Fields for developing a connection. I don't hang it on Justin Fields that he prefers DJ Moore and Darnell Mooney to Tyler Scott. But all the same, the the cojones it takes to check, like to can to a wide wide receiver run on third and one, and mm-hmm. then to get it the way Scott did. Who I'm excited. Yep. Go continuing. Mercedes Lewis gets three. Darrington Evans gets three. Blazing Game gets three. Valus Jones got a target. Uh, and then Travis Homer gets one that he, you know, near on fumbled. <laughs> that was that was a nasty play. But oh yeah. all the same, it was just funny seeing what you'd swear is the entire skills core roster except Tanyan get involved. And also Cole Komet, who goes targetless today. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, but I uh, and and then, and then you look at the penalty situation too, which was not in Chicago's favor. Like they got the turnovers, right? They got three, mm-hmm. but they had 110 yards in penalties. And again, the pass interference was a big one, but they still 110. The Raiders had 15 yards in penalties. Right. The like, ball that's a huge discrepancy. The referee flags did not favor them. It's no. like, especially because I, I, I think of football as a game that I almost wish had some kind of objective, you know, you know how a UFC fight ends the moment that the referee decides that it's over. You know what I'm talking about? I, there's no way you could do this in a game like football, but I almost wish the same thing could apply because the moment Jalen Johnson took that pass back the other way, the game was over. And within that on up through Jalen's big play, it was one Oh in the turnover battle and penalties massively favored Vegas. So how much is a turnover that turns into a touchdown worth? I don't know, but 90 yards of penalties had to have the Raiders feeling like things had been pretty fair up to that point, right? Right. It's it's funny seeing just the game shook out, I would argue, in a very neutral way, but Chicago just continued to make plays. And I can't help but wonder how Darnell Wright looked against Max Crosby. Certainly Crosby didn't seem like he was just devastating him on the other Mm -hmm. side of the edge. Crosby Mm -hmm. started complaining about holds. Man, that's been, that's been Darnell Wright's entire season. Like the guy has what? 35 inch arms. I haven't checked recently, so I can't remember. Maybe you can check while I talk here, but one of my favorite things about Wright is that he's got what you'd swear is like a 20 pound weight within each of his punches and so when he puts his head down or when he puts his foot wrong and an edge rusher beats him around the edge i know you've seen this nick he'll just stick his right arm out punch the guy in their usually like their right shoulder push them back just a little bit further than they want to be and let him take that little bit longer around the edge uh so this is interesting so arm length is 33 and three quarter is it seriously yeah, which is 33rd percentile. And then this one's even more interesting. Hand size, which I know a lot of people care more about with pass catchers or quarterbacks. It's nine inches, which is in the first percentile. Darnell Wright has short arms and small hands. I mean, I don't, it, I think th- anything above 33 is good, right? Oh, that's, I know. That's, 
That's the Peter I'm just Strasse. surprised because he yeah. makes his arms look incredibly he, long he, on he's tape. He's also a massive man. So maybe it's like his body's so big, his arms, you know, you're like, oh. Maybe yeah. it's also partially that. So if Braxton Jones just poked his hand out and punched the edge rusher across from him, the edge rusher would like walk through his arm. I mean, Braxton would be like a risk to break his hand if he tried that. Whereas Darnell can legitimately, with no base at all, just push the guy and create an extra half second of pocket time. It's awesome. And it, uh, yeah. So, 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 by the way, Braxton Jones's arms. Really long. 35 and 38 inches, 92nd percentile. His hand size, 10 and a quarter, which is 70th percentile. There so you we, go. We, we, very different tackles. Both are 6'5". The right's obviously thicker. And that yeah. power, I mean, again, haven't watched the tape, so I can't say for sure, but... One sack on 30 attempts from Tyson Bajan kept the offense moving. And yep. I focusing on sacks makes it sound like it's a quarterback comparison thing. That's not really the point that I'm trying to make. As much as to point back Nick and say, I wonder how much some of this stuff has been undoing the Bears offense. It's hard to tell because you're going to get a game plan that's tailored around the starting quarterback. They're literally not going to try this offense with Justin Fields. Not exactly the same way. Right. Well, I, I see a couple of things that this ha- helps. So, so, I mean, staying ahead of the chains is is the sack thing. I mean, that's a lot with you're talking about Washington struggling. I mean, Sam Howell's on like record pace for sacks in this Killed season. him today. Killed him today. Like, he had six, seven, eight today, something like that. Um, so that, that's one thing. The other thing, too, that when you stay ahead of the chains, you keep, you know, converting first downs. You keep, you know, having sustained drives. You keep your defense fresh. And so, I mean, I did this study. Remember, like, the amount of points that your defense allows or your team allows has such a huge... I know that sounds stupid, like, duh, but it has a huge impact on record. I mean, in the, um, what was that, 20 times the Bears defense or team allowed 24 or more points on 20 of Justin Fields starts, he's 0-20. But, like, uh, Trevor Lawrence is two and 18 in the same like area. So it's, and, and on those 20, 20 games for fields, it was average of 33 points allowed. We look today, 12 points allowed. What helps with that time of possession? They had the ball for 34 minutes. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, and also they didn't really play defense for like the last, like four minutes. They were just like, okay, we're far back. Catch it, tackle, catch it. Like, like it could have been even more. And so when you do that, it allows, and again, this was crazy, Justin Jones to get a sack, them to get like some kind of pressure. And Ripped through too. And and again, another game against the, and again, they haven't been doing it well this year, but last year, the NFL rushing champion, the entire team averaged 2.8 yards per carry in Chicago. And like early in the year, people were like, well, running backs can do great against Chicago. Well, that's because Aaron Jones had two long receptions. But like in terms of rushing, Chicago's been pretty stout. I and mean, we heard about Brian Robinson, right? He had a good start to the season. The Bears shut him down. And so when you are not on the field that long, you have more energy to make tackles and you can really stop drives and make those third longs, which Bears defense did better against. Yep. it's It's been bizarre watching this defense come into its own because I can't tell you, to be honest with you, Nick, what the... I have to, I have to tip the cap. I have to tip the cap. Like, I want to sit here and not give Matt Eberflus any credit at all. And that's, that's honestly not fair. I mean, just being blunt with you, 
right? That would be me spinning a narrative that probably doesn't really apply because the players are playing that little bit faster. They're rally tackling like yep. maniacs, especially when they see a short ball underneath. They are like give either give credit to the DB coaches, but like the DB coach resigned uh, earlier in the season. I know it's not literally the DB co- or that Alan Williams wasn't literally DBs, but he comes from that DB background yeah, within yeah. Indiana that or Indianapolis, you end up seeing this pattern where the Bears will give up the occasional passing play early in the game, but we saw this against Minnesota. We see it again against Las Vegas that they come back and they take away a couple of those at the end of the game. Second and 18, let's take that big play-action post shot to Devontae Adams. Oh, what's that? Tyreek Stevenson's right on his hip, makes the ball really tough to catch, and we have to get lucky off Jalen Johnson running his guy over down the sidelines on third and 18, draw a play act or drawing a PI. Few they almost had us like mm. this bears defense is kind of putting clamps on people, which I am stunned by. I well, still don't think they're that good. Right? No, I don't think they're they're, but they're improved. So like this is, I'm going to go over the whole season just in terms of total yards allowed. So they started the year against green Bay 329. And then it was Tampa Bay 437, which we remember Baker just dealing. And he did And then Kansas city 456, like ridiculous. Since then, it's been different. And if you've noticed, Chicago's in all of these games. So Denver was 311, right? Which Chicago should have won that game. Washington was 388. And that one, I think, is only high because Chicago was blowing them out and just playing prevent defense and letting them. I mean, because they didn't, they didn't attempt to run in the entire second half. <laughs> like, they just threw the whole time. And then Minnesota, 220. Today, the Raiders had 235. That is Nothing. improved defense, even if it's not great. Very improved. I mean, that's a good defense. Like, mm-hmm. if you're keeping teams to 230 yards in this day and age, right? Like, that's that's a good defensive performance. It doesn't mean that you have to love Matt Eberflus if you're an Eberflus hater. And certainly things <laughs> like we saw at the end of the half where he was kind of wishy-washy on what he wanted that, to do with this timeout. I I think he just didn't trust his guy. Like, he's a defensive coach. He's sitting there thinking, okay, well, we're up 14 to three. Like, while three points would be great, you know, it'd be bad. Three points the other way. God forbid a touchdown. So we're just going to bleed this down. We're going to play it safe. Maybe we're able to steal a field goal. Oh my gosh, my guy Tyson Bajic converted it. Well, now I look like a doofus. That, you that, know what I mean? that extending play and hitting more on the sideline with a little touch over a guy nah. that was oh my gosh chef's like, kiss chef's yeah. kiss right a great like, great play awesome. and again in a pressure situation because you don't want to give up points before the half the situation wasn't too big for tyson bajan no and it he's got great reps during the preseason am i about to become a preseason guy because <laughs> like bajan looked as if he had practiced for this And the Bears, on accident, because Tyson was competing, went from playing the worst group of the preseason starters to the middle group of the preseason starters to finishing the preseason against the second string outright, then got multiple weeks of practice tape, got a tiny little dose of a game like we saw last week against legit starters and clicked in today ready to roll. Like he mm-hmm. got a gradual approach. Also, it's so funny. You talk about the uh, the Denver game. It's like, I'm going to point out the most obvious stat 
on the planet. The Bears are 0-4 when a certain something happens. Do you know what that certain something is? Allowing a defensive touchdown? Yeah, it's when they score on themselves. Like, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to point out that when the Bears don't Plaxico Burris a bullet in their foot, that, like, they're going to have a better chance to win. And if they, yeah. You you know what my funny stat was prior to this game? What? Is, you know, because everyone's like, you know, stats don't lie. And I'm like, hmm. So I'm like, the Bears are 1-0 when Kari game gets a carry. And they're 0-5 <laughs> when he doesn't get a carry. <laughs> you, you know, because people are like, well, if you if you have this many carries in a game, you win. It's like, well, yeah, if you, you get carries when you're winning. It's like teams that kneel the ball are undefeated. It's like, yeah, we know this. Right, you know? exactly. Like, you should just kneel the ball in the first quarter. The stats say that you'll never lose. Boom. Yeah. Like, it's there's just too many stats. Like, it's not that stats are liars. It's that stats paint a part of the picture. But yes. if I showed you a piece of Renaissance art that only had the color blue in it, you're not going to know what painting it is because there's way more than just blue in that picture. And so within that, it's like, does it tell you everything that Tyson Bajit didn't take sacks and therefore they won? Not really. The run game was cooking and the Bears were willing to just lean on it, right? Yeah, Could just warm out, honestly. How many of those screen passes could Fields have hit? Probably all of them. Probably. Now, there are some plays that I don't know if Fields would have hit. There are some plays where I think Fields might have made a play that Tyson Bajant couldn't have made. But this is the Nick Foles conundrum. Right, Nick? Like, where a quarterback that knows his own limits at times is more dangerous than a quarterback that doesn't because Sam Howell is going to try things that he simply can't do enough like he's gonna try stuff that he's batting 075 when he does versus the quarterback that sticks to the stuff he's 330 on and just hits for average the entire game tony gwynn tony gwynn wasn't trying to hit home runs he's like single single double just single, just single. on base take a yep. walk when you need to yep. like so so that leads me into a question for you mm -hmm. right before the end of the half the bears had a play that was the sack right from right. Nathan Peterman? They brought Peterman in to throw the Hail Mary and not Bajant. Yep. Okay. So there's two possible scenarios for this, in my opinion. One is they didn't want Bajant to go in there and throw a pick and wreck his confidence. Or two, he doesn't have quite the arm that Peterman does. Which do you think it is? So I think it's B with a side of they also wanted to make sure the clock ran out. Like Peterman takes that snap and immediately bails out to his left. He has right. two seconds. I wouldn't be surprised if at least part of what they were thinking was, well, we want a veteran in there to go and, you know, make sure that we get to the end of the half and whatever else. I, I'm not thinking too hard about it. Partially because I sit there and I'm like, if you really think Tyson Bajan can launch it from like his own 40 into the end zone, you're not watching the same games I am. And that's okay. That is kind of a long throw. And I mean, he can, I mean, so, okay, let's have that conversation. There, Cause there's two different parts of this. Okay. Right. Being able to throw the ball 60 yards. Tyson Bajan can do that. Okay. So Should be able to, but in an I mean, NFL I mean, game. I mean, I like, I am not a great, you know, I was a backup quarterback, you know, I'm a quarterback coach, whatever. I mean, the best throw I think I've had with the wind, Robert, like one of those days right. is like 58. 
and I'm right. I'm a nobody. You know what I mean? So like sure. an NFL quarterback, a, a record setter in college. I mean, I mean, you want to talk about even like Kellen Moore? Remember Kellen Moore? How yes. bad his arm was? Yes. He could throw it at least 50 yards. So like he could get it there. But the other conversation is getting that arc, you know, that that high end. I mean, that that takes some different arm strength, which I get. So and I don't know. Point, answer, I just it was an interesting decision. And to your point, if the ball does just sort of die on him, spits down at the 10 yard line, and then a defensive back runs up and picks it off, like you talk, you're literally talking about a punt return situation, but worse right. because the only people that you have back defending it are offensive linemen yes. and your quarterback for crying out loud. Right. I, I get it. Look, I, I know that we live in a hyper aggressive NFL. I like to think I'm hyper aggressive and want to play the same way that Kansas city and Buffalo at times and Miami and San Francisco are playing. That is not our head coach. That is not our offense. And against that Raiders team, I didn't actually have any issue with saying we're up two scores. Like, don't do something dumb that's going to let them in the game. You know I, I wanted I mean? him to try because at that point, everything he's proven to you has been, trust me. Totally. And he's, I would have trusted him sooner. By the right. time we got to the fourth down, two seconds left, I'm sort of going, ah, we didn't get it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, well, I, even that, even that sneak, how how just smart was his sneak of like, right. I'm going to stop and go around and then get through and get it. I was like, everything he does is impressive right now. Oh yeah. And I mean, it helps that it all worked, right? Like he checks to that third and one to Tyler Scott and Max Crosby gets in the backfield and blows the play up. And we're all saying like, ah, rookie moment. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like for crying out loud last night, completely unrelated Caleb Williams on a two point conversion. I think it was, or I think it was a two point conversion anyways, pulls the ball back to throw it to an open receiver. No, it wasn't. Was it? And the ball just pops out of his hand. I don't know if you saw this. I didn't, I didn't watch all of the games. I just saw some highlights. Point being that like sometimes dumb stuff happens to quarterbacks, right? Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's their fault. Sometimes it isn't, (laughs) but Tyson was in that position. You know, we, we both know this, that if he had had anything go wrong, like if he had thrown a pass that Darnell Mooney had skied up for and tipped into the air and it gotten picked off, it was going to create a just massive amount of toxicity. And so for his sake and for the fun of the game, it was neat that that never happened because Tyson didn't do a ton of things that were like plus plays. Like he had some really, really nice plays. But not so, not any that you're like, okay, we can completely forgive a turnover for that. Which is why he didn't turn it over. And at the end, of, then you finish up the end of the day, you go, okay, that was really pretty good. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I wanted to to pivot if you're okay. Oh, I'm okay. To, you know, we talked about this on our last episode. Your preview of this game is we're talking about, okay, do you trade anybody? Right. You know, like, and then who you can trade because who we're going to resign. Somebody made it known that they wanted to get paid. Oh, who was that? Okay. The, the guy that the guy that can't keep his helmet on his head and he's <laughs> like putting it back on, which also is good awareness. Like, hey, I, you just made a play. I get it. The game's over. But like, don't get a penalty, which I don't know why he wasn't penalized. Whole nother conversation. But Jalen Johnson. Okay. I'm happy for him. No matter what happens. I'm always happy for players to make plays, especially when they're Chicago Bears. Made a play. He returned it, which you could just tell by how he was running. Like, okay, he's got this. 
And then he made the other one too. So does that change anything for whether you pay him? That's question one. And then I have another one. So I want to hear what you think about that one. It never did. I've always been team pay Jalen. I just assume the Bears don't want to for whatever reason. And I've also begged the question on whether Jalen Johnson wants to be a Chicago Bear. Like yep. there are some guys where they're going to say, nah, I, uh, I, I don't want to play for you. And I don't know if Jalen and the Bears are in that position. And I understand that there are plenty of people that are worried about health when it comes to Jalen Johnson. Yep. I'm, I'm not as worried as I think some others are, because while it sucks that you got a corner with a, a problematic shoulder, you're mm-hmm. also seeing corners all across the league struggle to stay healthy because it turns out being big and playing long is hard over a long stretch of time. But Nick, assuming that the bears aren't going to pay him, which is a big assumption that may very well happen, man, what an advertisement. Here that, at the end of the that's game. my next question, right? I mean, what what better trade chip do you need than it's like honestly? And again, I, I've I've made this analogy before because I like to play poker, but like it's like you there's a big pot, you're not involved, and the guy flips over or a gal doesn't matter. Someone has a big hand. They just had a full house, and they won this big pot. The next time you're in a hand with them, you're just like, mm, I don't know. It's like it's that. not mathematically right. You know right. what I mean? You right. can't mathematically so justify that So now that all of a sudden feeling. you're like, mm, he just had a big game. Let's forget the first two and a half years of his career, but he just had a big game. Has now he found it though? Is yeah, what yeah. you said there. We, we can just take that game and com- make that his whole repertoire, you know? Like, I mean, whatever. especially because there are so many of these teams out there. Like Dallas? Let's, let's take Dallas. Let's take Miami. Let's take Buffalo, Right. They all three of these teams, but especially Dallas and especially Buffalo, they run very similar four three base defenses to what the Bears run. Both of them are on the cusp. At least they're going to tell themselves of winning a Super Bowl. But man, they just lost that corner. And like, what's going on? The Buffalo's sitting there thinking we just got beat by the Pats. Like the Pats have had their pants pulled down two weeks in a row, and we lost to this team. Is it because we lost our corner? And so mm-hmm. you you sit there and suddenly, yeah, maybe maybe I can trade a second round pick. You, oh, you, you know, rap sheet saying that. rap sheet saying that Dallas is in on it and Dallas is willing to offer a first. Shoot, should, should we offer a first? Like yeah, you're, you're, you're going to the Chase Claypool stuff. You know, another team <laughs> that would be probably more interested now than they were previously, a team that just got exposed is Detroit. Right, got shredded, and. They could definitely use a corner. And again, I know part of it is, you know, how much do they want to pay for a, a rental player if that happens? But I mean, you could even say have the same conversation with Mooney. Mooney had disappeared, but he just had a, I would say, a solid game for the amount of passes and you know, depth of targets that happened today. I thought he had a decent game. So that's again, whether Chicago is going to re-sign both of these guys or not, I think their trade values increased today. Let me see. 32 divided by 162. Mooney was 20% of the passing yards, which I think both of us would have expected that he would be about 20% of the passing yards all season. It's just that that hasn't happened yet. I, I think if I'm hearing you, we're both in the camp of we are, we're very pro Jalen Johnson. If Jalen Johnson ends up getting extended more power to you, Ryan polls, but also it may actually work out for Jalen. Just saying, 
if he does get traded, it may work out for everybody. Because the moment Jalen gets traded, it's not a rental. You don't do that in the NFL. You trade for somebody, you're extending him. The moment you trade for him, the player gets the leverage. Jalen yep. Johnson gets that paper, baby. And the Bears get a pick that they could theoretically use to take another shot at a DB. Or, I mean, hopefully they do. Because you do need multiple corners in today's day and age. Yeah. While Tyreek Stevenson moves into, I, I don't know if he's a CB1. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, that, that's the other conversation is that, like, if you lose him, do you even have a starting corner on your team, which I know you're more of a fan of Tyreek than I am, but I think that becomes a need next off season. And if you trade Johnson, you're probably resetting everything. That's it's a whole big conversation, but I think today was just fun to see. And it's going to help so fun. everybody. I think. And I mean, it's so funny. You talk about that. Like if there's a position we, we started the season worried about safety. I'm going to emphasize that I am like big worried about safety. Yes. I am. I am becoming legitimately worried. I'm at like DEFCON 4 about whether Eddie Jackson's career is effectively over. Like, right. he, this foot is a problem. And the fact that it is still the problem that we're seeing, it's not a great sign for a 30-year-old. No, no, it's not. And the, and the other safety, right, Brisker, <laughs> who at least wasn't exposed today that I saw that he has been in the past, but has, I, I don't know that I can remember a safety that has been this close to pick sixes more than Jaquan Brisker. Like, how many of these is he going to drop? I am going to make a statement, and you are going to tell me whether or not it's fair, okay? Jaquan Brisker is not Elijah Hicks, and Elijah Hicks has taught us how bad safeties can be. But Jaquan Brisker has yet to show us that he's good either, and that can be kind of a frustrating feeling. For for people that were doing the, uh, you know, I'm doing the, the Roman, like, thumb up, thumb down. Thumb up, I agree with you. Yeah, he's he hasn't proven that he's the answer, which I think is kind of what you're at. Like, he's, right now, he's replacement level. That's how he's playing. Which, you know, again, I think replacement level is funny because people do this in baseball, too, right? Where they're like, oh, yeah, you can find a 220 hitter anywhere. It's like, I don't know about that. I've seen a lot of bad 160 hitters. Like you go, oh, he's a replacement level corner. And it's like replacement level is not even fair to Kendall Vildor because Kendall Vildor isn't on a practice squad. Like right. that's not even me trying to tank on Kendall too hard. It's like truly replacement level is a pretty low bar in football. Yeah. Right. I mean, I from what I remember, Brisker was like 78th out of like 80, 80 safeties or something so far this year. Like it was, it was not going well. Um, no. But the other thing that's going to help out with all of this, it's going to help out with Tyreek Stevens. It's going to help out with Brisker, with Hicks, Eddie Jackson, if he comes back, Jalen Johnson, if he resigns, any corner that's there, a pass rush. A like even to, pass even rush. today, today was so apparent. It's like, gosh, just get after him somewhat. Like, we need a pass rush. Um, there was no pass rush from the DNs again today. And so the early draft picks and signings, and honestly, Robert, I would not be opposed to trading a third for one of Washington's ends and extending them if it costs you that, just so we have one. Like, it is a desperate need. I am only not trading him because I think one of them is going to hit the market anyways, and I would take that risk. But, but you can't end up with no edge rushers, like, especially after the year. We are getting off of the topic 
a little too hard. It was just funny though, right? Because even in a game where the Bears won really emphatically, there aren't a bunch of these like single moments you go back and you point at and you go, that's it. That's the play of the game, right? I love, I love the way Tyreek Stevenson is very clearly starting to get the boundary correct of what the officials are going to let him do early on in football games. He got a reputation call on that DPI. You can tell officials are watching for 29 being handsy, but he got away with like four more. And I I saw a bunch of Bears fans saying, ooh, we're getting lucky getting away with DPI. And I'm like, welcome to having a physical corner in life grand. Like, it sucks when you give up one now and again, but the ones that go your way, that don't draw a flag, like that third and four, where was Stevenson on him a quarter second early? I don't care. Like, any any referee is going to say, Nah, man, fight through that to the receiver. Did did you see, this reminds me of, did you see the hold DJ Moore had on that toss to the left? I think I it was they were going to call it for sure. And I, and I think they didn't call it because it was DJ Moore versus, you know, <laughs> a, a, a different guy. Because they're like, mm. and also he kind of, you, you learn how to like hide things more. Like that's just like part of the game. But I mean, I think he's getting better with that. I'm just, I, 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 just like Brisker, I don't know that he's an answer. So I like what I'm seeing so far, mostly because uh, you got to remember that rookie Jalen Johnson had tons of these moments himself. Like, yeah, oh yeah. Rookie corners have not seen it all. Like, you need a season of Devontae Adams smoking you, like on that option route that we saw, because you saw the same thing I did, Nick. Devontae Adams fainted the same slant he's run his entire life, and he's gotten open on that slant his entire life, converted it into a fade, and man, oh man, did he beat 29 clean. What's the lesson we take from this? Well, we probably can't just let him come to us. We have to go collision him. We have to go collision him. And if not, we're going to step in and then make sure that we're ready with our recovery step to drop back and keep at least some level of pace. Another mm-hmm. play that I think is funny when it comes to Tyreek Stevenson is the um, early play that Tyreek had with uh, Jacoby Myers, the second third down conversion, where or the second third down failure, I should say, where Hoyer threw a back shoulder ball, which traditionally is the quarterback's way of saying, you look covered, so I'm going to throw it out yep. here. Jacoby yep. didn't think he was covered. Jacoby oh. thought he had his guy and mm-hmm. I will credit 29 with the most like understated. It's not really a credit to you, but way to be competitive enough in the play where even when you lose, you were part of creating a miscommunication. Yeah. You're yeah, not yeah. going to catch that break every time, but Stevenson to me, a bad corner looks like what we've seen with Emmanuel Forbes so far, nearly unplayable. Yeah, yeah. A good rookie corner is taking back downs now and again. And we're not getting Mike Evans every week and going up against a guy like Devonte Adams. Cause t- Matt, Matt Eberflus, my guy, we are letting them free release their best receiver on a rookie corner. Whenever they want to, are we sure like defensively speaking, are we sure this is the path to success, but the results are holding right now. So- right. right. It's, <laughs> You, you know, one thing that I, I remember from the game that bothered me as well would be there were multiple plays, and this is speaking about uh, Tremaine Edmonds, and I saw one from Jaquan Brisker. 
and it's this is just one of my big annoyances as a and i've coached dbs too a lot of my life is when you wait for the ball carrier Ugh. and then and then you just like hug them and you fall down versus going and meeting them and there are multiple like i think it was like at least one third down converted but like if you if you go forward a couple more yards because they're just they don't want to get like out juked and honestly sometimes I don't care as long as you take out I always want them to aim for the outside half because all middle. of your Turn your buddies middle. are on the inside coming you just you just limit more big plays and when you just catch guys you're gonna allow more yardage and I, I and with with Edmonds I feel like that's just kind of how he is he's just more of that coverage linebacker anyway but I would just love him to be a little more physical I liked what I saw from T.J. Edwards again today. Like he's just always about where you want him to be. Like he's, he's he's a good player, man. He's a really good player. <laughs> he's fun. I still think that Edmonds is gonna figure it out. I mean, look, I had somebody, somebody got on me for like a week and a half, man. Okay, so this is just a quick peek into what it is to do social media when you have more followers than anybody should. Um, uh, with, like that's not even like a brag. It's more like you get above, honestly, like two thousand. And honestly, the followers can be kind of, kind of a you know a, a good thing and a bad thing, right? Because Tremaine Edmonds, I remember calling a boomer bust signing at the time. We are seeing the boom. We are seeing the bust because when it works, it looks awesome. Mm-hmm. When it doesn't work, that's eighteen million dollars. If T.J. Edwards in any setting didn't work out, we would get over it. You know yes. what I mean? Like. Yes. That's a six-ish million dollar contract. Yeah, you can whatever. move on. You can move yep. on, right? Mm-hmm. But eighteen million dollars kind of needs to be a defensive superstar. And the yes. fact that you keep bringing up his linebacker pair over him is kind of intrinsically not so great. That yes. said, Tremaine Edmonds has, I still think, done a really. G- I like what he does against play action, where he's one of the only linebackers. I can't tell if it's coaching. I can't tell if it's uh, like just instinct. But he, he just won't play the run. Like he opts out of playing the rundown and as silly as it sounds, because as a football coach, I bet you're like, you, you like that. Yes. I know. Like so many quarterbacks are so accustomed to linebackers sucking up that if you can just, if you stand in place, you throw off more quarterbacks timings than anybody wants to admit. I saw it with Kirk last week. I saw it with Brian this week where some of the younger quarterbacks will figure it out navigate around that player but the older quarterbacks that are used to things happening a certain way will legitimately get thrown off by 49 being in the wrong place well and he's a giant yeah he is a giant you know you know what's interesting that uh got reviewed and and overturned and i was like "Mm, are we sure josh jacobs didn't have two feet down i didn't think he did but i I thought i (laughs) thought his i thought when it hit his hands he had one down and then and then the other one got down. He but didn't I don't know get if he, the other foot down at all, from what I could tell. I thought I, th- I thought there was an original, and then the one. But uh, but here's the part where we could be different: is I don't know if he like re if it juggled, it, like he resecured it, and that made the other foot not work. But when I saw the replay, I was like, really? And then it was like not challenged, and they quickly reviewed. I was like, cool. And then they got a field goal out of it. I'm like, okay. And I like, I can't believe that, they kicked that field goal, by the way. That was a big time in the game because it was what? Huge. I think at that point it was 20 to three or something well, like that. So I'm going to say this the only way I know how. Yeah, it was a really big time in the game because the Bears have blown so many of these leads that that felt like the first domino of what could be many. 
right? But it was three to 21. Like, I'm not trying to, I'm definitely not trying to spit on what you're saying because you're absolutely right. Like the moment you don't get that, or the moment you don't get that call and then opting to kick a field goal really threw me off. Like, like, And, And there were two parts in this game where I thought the Bears were going to bears, bear themselves. You right. know what I mean? Like like Chargers charging themselves. And the first one was the big pass interference call that Jalen Johnson had. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yep, cool. 40-some-yard gain for, you know, which, I mean, would he have caught it? Would he not have? I don't know, but still. And right. then the other one was, again, it, it, it was inconsequential, but it, the, the feeling immediately washed over me was the Travis Homer like yes. bobbling, like oh, 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 get the ball, like, and you know both, like that one didn't matter. But those are the two times. Normally, I feel that way, way more than two times in the game. So way more. That, that was a good thing. I mean, there were frankly some plays that Tyson Bajan found a way out of and found a completion out of that made me laugh out loud. In particular, I remember him stepping up into the pocket, clicking through three reads, stepping out of the pocket, and getting pressured by, I think it was two guys, fading backwards, flicking the ball to the sidelines. Surely it's a throwaway. No, he hit DJ Moore in the hands, and we picked up two yards. And I was like, that is hilarious. The the blasting game one was more hilarious. (laughs) Right? I mean... Like he's trying to navigate and he, and he, what's interesting with him is, is there's two different types of pocket presence quarterbacks. There's the Russell Wilson where they back out of the pocket. Mm-hmm. They, they retreat out. And then they're the ones that step up and Beige, more of the retreating out that we're finding. So he retreats out and then he's like, Oh no, I'm not going to get this. And then he like plays a little bit and then throws it and it's contested and blasting game comes back to the ball like a receiver. I mean, this guy filled in at running back like we needed him to, played like a receiver like we needed him to right there, and and you know converted or got like four or five yards. But uh, those are some those are some really like we're talking about these plays because if you don't make that play, it's second and ten. And it's, it's right. It's huge. It's, it's such a different you know down and distance what you can play when it's. Second and sixth, very different what you can call. So like those are actually big plays, even though they seem really small. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Bears have been feeling this forever, haven't we? Like, okay, so. Oh, my God, Nick, I'm about to go there. Can we can we just all can we just all like take a moment of silence for the fact that I'm about to go there? Because I did not think I was going to make this argument on this podcast, but you have led me here. Okay, do not take what I'm about to say as a direct comparison. I want to, I can't put any disclaimers out there. I I need everybody like a, this is a sensitivity warning. This are we, we going to edit this out of the pod? Is it going to be like that? No, like it's, controversial? it's staying in there, but it's, it's, it's that I have to use a really big name to get there. Right. I have watched Aaron Rodgers for forever. Take crappy, crappy players that against anybody else don't do anything. And then Ty Montgomery ends up housing three scores against the bears because you get the ball out quickly and the NFL football player looks like an NFL football player, right? Mm -hmm. When you get the ball out really, really fast, Deonta Foreman can catch it, step in, break a tackle and get in the end zone. And it's not even a crazy tackle early in the game. Deonta Foreman truck stick to whoever number one was. And it was awesome. Every other tackle he broke on the, like as a receiver was an arm tackle because he had the space to create his own angles because that's what NFL football players do. Mm-hmm. Do I think that Tyson Bajan 
is Aaron Rodgers. Obviously not. That's the <laughs> disclaimer, right? That's what I heard, Robert. But when people say a quarterback that elevates their teammates, sometimes I think what they're trying to say is playing so ahead of schedule that you give your teammates opportunities to remind the rest of the world that yes, they did get to the NFL for a specific reason. This is why, right? T mm -hmm. Tyler Scott played wicked fast today. Like Darnell Mooney got, went up and skied up for a ball that ended up being a really important six yard game. Like Tyson Bajit basically just asked a lot of his teammates. He got them the ball quickly and said, here's your opportunity to do something can you do something for me? And even Kari Blazingate said, Tyson, I got you. And I don't know if that'll work forever. I don't know if it'll work against every team. And I'm going to I'm gonna go there a second time, Nick. Oh I think God. we got a window into what Brock Purdy would have looked like on not the Niners. Because this, yeah. to me, was very similar in terms of, hey, when you guys make plays for you, you're going to roll up and down the field. When you take a holding call, and you drop a ball on this down and your protection gets blown on that down, stuff's not going to work. But for as long as you can stay ahead of the chains and the occasional time when you need to get or to, you need somebody to rescue you, he'll come through. Just don't ask him to do too much or right. fall apart in a hurry. Well, I, I and again, we talked about this. I think they could have leaned on him a little bit more. Down the field, I thought they had too many, too many like training wheels on, but like the training wheels for him isn't like you're looking for the Justin Fields 30 yard shots down the field. It's a very different game as we talked about, but I thought they could have like let him throw over the middle or down the field instead of like wide receiver screens more today. Do we ever get the right amount though? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like the, especially for backup style quarterbacks, like they're either going to leave you wanting more or we're going to say, why do we have Tyson Bajan? trying to hit 40-yard goes down the sidelines. Right. You know what I mean? I No, I get it. I get it. I'm with you, though. Like, I would hope that that comes with familiarity, but it seemed like the Bears, kudos to him, just said, why would we not do the easy thing? Like, we can have our rookie quarterback hand the ball off and grind our entire, like, grind the entire length of the field. Why would he do anything else? Like, yep. what point are we trying to prove to anybody? And if, so they did. If it's not broken, don't fix it. And it worked. And I mean... Mm -hmm. I don't know. Do you have any final thoughts on this one? Because this was a funny game. I mean, can't say it enough for me. Felt like the Twilight Zone. Like right, sudden, right. this this team, this is the Bears team that was four and one, in or instead of or like four and two instead of one and five. If you took mm -hmm. the record off and you didn't tell me what happened during the rest of the season, I would have assumed that this Bears team was low key kind of cooking with gas. They yep. just aren't. But they ran yeah. into a Raiders I mean team that today got what was coming to them. They have stolen mm -hmm. some wins. You could argue maybe they didn't super duper deserve, but mm -hmm. the Bears beat them. And then just as the moment you look at Tankathon and you start to get mad about it, nope, the Cardinals are winning today. One win teams are feasting. It is yep. an awesome day for the Panthers to not be playing because something's in the water and these well, underdogs. Well, be be better yet, better yet, the Broncos are beating Green Bay right now, six to nothing, which and, is. And Green Bay looks. I mean, the stat lines I'm seeing, because I can't pretend to be watching the game, they look bad. <laughs> and it's, it's, Jordan loves, you know, he, there's, there's, there's questions. But today, my, my final... uh, today, a Bears fan wrote the script because not only did the Bears come out mm -hmm. and pound like their opponents, but 
Did you see the Lions? Like, did you have in your crystal ball the Lions getting body bagged by the Ravens today? Like, not not in any, like, honestly, like that game for Detroit has felt like Chicago's season before today. That was emphatic, man. Like, it's like a nightmare. Like, anything that could go wrong went wrong. And you're like, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know any answers. Like, think of Chicago, right? Like, DC's fired. Fields got hurt. We we still have not seen the old line that we set out to see, nope. you know, from the off season. We changed like, it again today. I can't believe like, it worked. I yeah, can't worked. believe the off O line worked. I, I was shocked too. Like it's just like everything is like that. And 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 today just felt different. Today felt like, yeah, I can see the plan starting to come together. And what makes today hurt more is that last week ended the way that it ended because mm-hmm. the Bears should have won the game last week and they should have beaten Denver. Like they could be a very different ball club right now. And that's the part that sucks because now, if one or two of those games went goes differently, now all of a sudden you're like, mm, we can wait till Justin comes back and see what we can put together. Now, okay, let me ask you, let me quiz you, okay? I'm going to put you on the spot. Like trivia moment. If you got to choose right now, keep, don't keep Matt Eberflus. Um, Right now? It's, I need more time. Sure. Which be- before today, I was out. Right. See, I'm still out. To me, I refuse to let the, I'm, I'm trying not to use like a relationship metaphor because that feels too catty, right? Like I'm trying not to let the employee that showed me that they're not a very good employee pretend like they're a good employee for just long enough to get me roped back in, if that makes sense. No, well, here's, here's why though. And we talked about this earlier. The last four games on defense have been very different than the first three. And the first three is when we had defensive coordinator got fired and a lot of things are going on. Now we got like the team, like somewhat of the team that you designed back off of injuries. I mean, you don't have Eddie Jackson back, but on defense anyway. And it's starting to look like, oh, this maybe this could work. And you're totally right. But because of a horrible Denver loss that absolutely should not have happened and a Vikings loss that absolutely should not have happened dare I say a Packers loss that absolutely should not have happened. Like because of that, we're on the wrong end, the deep wrong end of a season that could have been really different. And I'm choosing to see this as Marvin Harrison Jr. Potentially as Ben Johnson, Jim Harbaugh, Shane Waldron, potentially Jeff Hughes is really high on Jim Harbaugh. So I'm just going to throw his name in there. I have no idea if there's any actual connection, but I know some Bears fans out there, love the idea I, i've met him before by the way was he cool so this is uh okay a little story time so uh for those that don't know i have a, a big coaching background i used to coach actually in college so when i was at western kentucky university shout uh-huh. out hilltoppers uh jim's dad coached there jack and won a national title in 2002 i started there in 2005 which is speaking to my age but um and when Jim got the Stanford job, people remember all that. Mm-hmm. He um, he took our quarterback coach that I was with every day uh, with him to Stanford to be the running backs coach that coached Toby Gerhardt. I mean, we're going back years here, right? right? But anyway, so he's there and like, you know, they they he knows Western Kentucky. He's been there forever. His dad was there, you know. And so he's there just visiting. And me, I'm young and I'm nervous. <laughs> and people know I'm Bears fans. And they're like, oh, you know, everyone's like, oh, Jim Harbaugh's here, whatever. And the our offensive coordinator is like who coaches for the Ravens right now. He was like, 
hey nick did you go meet jim and i was like no he's like you're a bears fan come on come with me so i was like nervous so he takes me out into like this tunnel area and, and jim was talking with one of our other coaches and i get introduced and he's got his like stanford like um uh, sweater vest on you know and he was like it was a short conversation but he was like cool and i was just like I was like, oh, okay. And then, you know, he, I mean, honestly, everywhere he's went, people, I know it's controversial. He's had success. Stanford, the 49ers, Michigan. I mean, he wins everywhere he goes. So I wouldn't be opposed to it. I mean, I don't see how you could be. Like, is it the highest ceiling? Is it the path currently, you know, really well trotted? Not really. But Mm -hmm. it would be hard for me to spin Jim Harbaugh as a colossal failure. Like that seems to me like a great way to probably end up with the bears in the playoff conversation, though they've got so many resources. And I really do like this. Nick is the kind of game that leaves me feeling sane for saying, I really like the young nucleus of this team, like DJ Moore, a baller key third down middle of the game, quick option route wide open. Donnell Wright, a baller. Max Crosby was less of a factor in this game, partially due to quick release time. Sure but also partially due to probably Darnell Wright's, you know, effort than he's been nearly all season. Tyreek Stevenson played a solid game. Kyler Gordon showed up when he needed to. Like, there are pieces along this team. I saw Zach Pickens in the game. I actively noticed him. Did you see that penetration on that run fit he had? Yeah, it's like one a game. But you know what? It's one a game. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, But again, like, I think for a young guy, you need that at least. Oh, yeah. And then you can you can build off of that. But you're right. Like there's pieces. And obviously, I mean, when you gut the team, there's going to be time where you need more resources. But like this next offseason, we've talked about it. All the cap space. We talked about this in the last episode. All the cap space you have, you're going to get rid of more of the vets. Cody, probably Eddie, gone. Uh, and then the, the draft picks. And it's like, man, you could be reloaded. And it could look real nice for whomever or Matt Eberflus next year. Exactly. And I mean, It'll be an interesting conversation to see what happens because to be honest with you, like, so right now, as we speak, I'm looking at a 17 to 17 game uh, where the chargers have the ball five forty four left in the second quarter. As the chargers take on the chiefs in arrowhead, the bears were not split at 17. No. Like there is truth to this idea that the only thing holding the chargers back is the chargers, right? Yeah. Like the talent on that team and, and injuries. They're always yes, hurt. They're like, always so ridiculous. hurt. For crying out loud. I don't know how they're that unlucky. There's a lot of teams on this Bears schedule that are quite a bit better than the Raiders. You and I talked about this. Mm -hmm. We said, if they lose to the Raiders, I only see one. I I said this. I only see one more winnable game. This Bears team looks like they could very well have an emphatic 3-14 and season (laughs) ahead of them. Where they smoked the Raiders. They pounded the Panthers. And then they lose all their other games. (laughs) And... The games could be pretty competitive, right? But it wouldn't. Maybe they'll pull like one more win out, or they'll beat Green Bay at the end of the season. I don't know how I'd feel about that one, to be honest with you. You get that far? Well, like, well, how, how about this, okay? Because normally you're the optimistic guy. Um, Roshan Johnson, hopefully he'll come back. I'm a little worried about that. When Herbert comes back, with the way the, this running game is going, with better running backs besides Evans in there with Foreman, if you have that as your baseline run game, that opens up everything else so i think there's we're at least again raising the bar we've already talked about the defense playing better we're going to be in more ball games than we thought we were after three weeks you and i both know better than to think that lucas patrick is going to be on this forever 
right? Like, well, Big Nate Davis can come back. Braxton Jones can come don't, back. Don't you don't you get me bears pilled? Because I will I will bears pill myself. Yes, I will, I will be so. That's there. why we're here. The people need to hear it. Because <laughs> to your point, like I I think you know we started final thoughts. We've done a bunch of final thoughts. This is mine, and then I'll give you yours. But to me, biggest takeaway: this is what it looks like when the Bears' offensive line wins. Like the Bears have lost at offensive line a lot, and mm-hmm. it doesn't help anything that sometimes for better and sometimes for worse their quarterback can exacerbate the win or the loss against my favorite example uh, against Denver. It felt as if fields made a, what was a really good offensive line day look like it was just an all right offensive line day or against Washington fields made what, what was a relatively very good offensive line day look like a pretty bad offensive line day because protecting for three and a half seconds against the NFL's best. is really, really hard, but on this day, Nick, it felt like the offensive line handled their business. Did they allow some pressure? Yes. And the quarterback stepped out of it, got rid of the football. How'd they do on the ground? Well. And the Bears were mixing up so many different run looks. They used zone runs. They used pitch runs. They used toss runs. They used toss runs that then hit inside. They like had wide receiver jets. It was awesome. Honestly, super multiple, super fun. And if the Bears come up to any other games where they have an offensive line advantage, this offense can score with that. Like, this was fun. This was fun. But other teams should have better defensive lines. So at the very least, you'll see more stalemates. I don't know what's going to happen to the Bears' offensive line, and I couldn't care because right now the Bears are trending in a great direction where they've got a scrappy young team that might change coaches and upgrade, or Matt Eberflus is going to have to prove himself. It's the ultimate competition scenario. And as long as your eyes are on 2025-ish, then this is actually pretty great, especially with the results that we're seeing across the rest of the NFL. The more teams that get away from being abjectly awful while Carolina keeps the Ofer dream alive, the better. Because it's really, like if the Bears end up with number one and number five, mission accomplished compared to the Bears ending up with like number three and number four. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, exactly. And I mean, like, that's my final thoughts, too, is like, we need to enjoy this instead of like always thinking of, oh, man, if we don't have one and two, then it's over. Like, it's not like you. We want Chicago to do well. The other teams with one win. I mean, right now they're in those ball games. We'll see what happens. And two of them already won. Like, we're fine. Like, it's fine. But watching the Bears do well. (coughs) Thumbs up. Like, we should let's like celebrate that. So I'm happy. You're happy, and let's just hope Green Bay loses. Hope I, I hope Green Bay loses, but I hope they don't lose too much because if you told me somehow that Green Bay reset at quarterback, I would die. Uh, <laughs> but within that, man, okay, a couple other things. Let's just do some honorable Oh, my mentions. gosh. I'm so final, sorry. Final thoughts, version four. Oh, no, it's not about the Bears. It's about Marvin Harrison. Did you see him? He looks so good. He's, he's amazing. <laughs> He's great. And just because I want to get out ahead of this draft, because anybody who listened to this point, anybody who listened to almost 80 minutes of this podcast is ready for this. I'm going to hit you with a hot take. I want you to respond to it. Uh, Marvin Harrison and Olu Fashanu both played very, very good ball in their game. And mm-hmm. I think Marvin Harrison proved out the argument of why the wide receiver individually matters more than the excellent left tackle. Now, yes. 
it gets more complicated than that. But one of the weird things that I hadn't thought about is that scouting a left tackle against uh, one of the solid, like, I can't remember what his name is. I think it's Joe T. Um, well, the, Jack Sawyer and JT, yeah. But so JT is a good edge rusher. I'll tell you what he's not. Miles Garrett. I'll tell you what he's no. not. TJ Watt. I'll tell you what he's probably not. Aiden Hutchinson. I'll tell you what he's probably not. Daniil Hunter. That's the NFL. And so how does, like, how, how does Fashanu look against those guys? We'll probably get there. But we thought the same thing with Evan Neal. Like, it's, it's hard in the NFL. There's a lot of translation questions. And so part of me looks at this, and I hadn't thought about this, Nick, but when I think back at the last couple drafts, basically since John Ross and Laquan Treadwell got drafted, it seems like scouting wide receivers has gotten a lot, a lot easier over the last little while where the guys that we think are pretty good, especially at the like top 10, top five end of the draft, they ended up pretty damn good. Am I crazy? Well, I'm just glad you didn't add uh, Kevin White into that conversation, but I did. No. Um, I think part of it is that we're seeing better passing products because of high school seven-on-seven camps. Like, like the development is getting better. And I mean, where you're leaning is where I'm leaning to is that the odds of Marvin Harrison busting are a lot lower than any offensive lineman in this draft busting. And if anything, Fashanu yesterday had a good game. Can't say this enough. Reminded me that we don't really know with a player like him. Like we, we think we know, you know, we're pretty sure we know, but well, but, but, but also, I mean, it, okay. If, if it's, you have to have Darnell Mooney as your wide receiver too, or him as left tackle, or as Braxton Jones as your left tackle, Marvin Harrison as your other wide receiver too. I like that scenario better. The uh, you'd like which one better? Having Braxton Jones and Marvin Harrison versus having the I, I can't say his name right, Fashanu. Olu Fashan, or they call it. I've I thought it was uh, Fashanu, and then I think they said Fashanu on the broadcast. Okay. Well, no, Penn State's left tackle. As the Bears left Olu. tackle, and, and Darnell Mooney is your wide receiver too, or Harrison is wide receiver too, and Braxton Jones is your left tackle. I mean, the other thing that I, I'll say the quiet part out loud, that's DJ Moore is your wide receiver too. Marv is that good. Like maybe not immediately as a rookie, but I think he would get there very, very quickly. And that's saying mm. something because you and I think DJ Moore's top five receiver. Like yep. it, it, and I don't have to stutter when I say that. Nope. I think people don't realize how hard it is to replace Braxton Jones. Evidence exhibit A, Mike McGlinchey. Exhibit B, Juwan Taylor. Exhibit C, Caleb McGarry. Right? Yeah. These guys getting paid eight figures, man. Like yes. huge money deals, and they they're not playing at the level that Braxton Jones was. And so, no. on the other hand, Jacoby Myers. I mean, I love Darnell Mooney. I'm partial to guys that I know. Jacoby Myers is playing better ball right now. For a multitude of reasons, right? Could Darnell Mooney play that well or better? I mean, I think so. But Maybe. finding a wide receiver too in that mold has always been easier. And the teams that have a wide receiver one can find you an Alan Lazard, right? Mm -hmm. You can you can go out there and you can find a Puka Nakua to sit next to Cooper Cup. But a left tackle, even an average one, I mean, that is so tough. <laughs> well, I agree, but but the other part of this too is just like we got with getting DJ Moore, it made what we thought Claypool and Mooney as a wide receiver, wide receiver three, 
that just changed the dynamic of versus having those guys as the wide receiver one and wide receiver two. Getting Harrison yes. as your one and more as your two and whomever is your three is just like game and changing. And the good news is, is that also the Bears aren't Marv or bust. Like this no. is sick wide receiver draft. Oh, Ke- have you seen Keon Coleman? Boss. And then he's six four. Everyone hasn't seen him. Florida State wide receiver transfer from Michigan State. Six four, probably two twenty. Really athletic. I can't remember the last time I've seen a six four guy at that size. They had returning punts, right? And he's good at it. I'm like, what is this freak doing back here? Like, awesome. Keon Coleman is the reason that draft Twitter missed on Jaden Reed. I'm convinced because Keon or because everybody mentally thinks, yeah, but how good can Jaden Reed really be when his teammate is better than him? It's not his fault that Keon Coleman's a boss. And then you and I are turning into Dave Brugler here, but like a on Washington phenomenal phenomenal yep. player i know there's like two more is it neighbors like neighbors neighbors mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then like there's all kinds of other receivers that if the bears end up with i don't know pick number eight like they could still get an electric wide receiver or if the board favors them i will entertain taking joe alt because there is some fun there or maybe that would be one of their edge picks Oh, we can get there later. Or Brock Bowers. Brock Bowers would be so interesting, but man, look at the tight ends. Like, this really bugs me, man. Because I said the same thing at the time. Tight ends and offensive coordinators in the NFL do not gel. Like, they do not blend. Like, Kyle Pitts is really struggling, even now, to get, like, properly used compared to what that should be. You know what I'm saying? You get a big catch to set up that win today. That was a psycho catch. I agree with you. Like it's more to talk about just the value of the pick. It's not a question of Brock Bauer's talent. It wasn't a question of um, what's what's the guy on Buffalo's name. I cannot believe I'm forgetting Dalton Kincaid. Kincaid. Kincaid's not living up. I don't think to a first round pick status. It's not his fault. Like that's it. Tight ends just don't get used that often in the NFL. Like um, the guy that we just saw today, number 87, Michael Mayer, like he's, he's really good too, but you end up with Cole Kmet being third in the NFL on touchdowns because he was wide open on all of them because the Bears, like tight ends, just a weird position in the NFL. And while you get some of these matchup nightmares and everybody goes, God, what I would do for Mark Andrews. I agree. But when you try to chase the Mark Andrews dragon, you kind of run down the same path that I've seen guys go for. Uh, what is it? What was it? Um, Darius Hayward Bay and John Ross, the oh, big man. speedster wide receiver. That Troy Williamson. You got tons of them. Like that archetype that just doesn't yeah. work. You know what I mean? Like Tavon Austin. We, if there's one weird theme with tight ends, it's that the guys in the first round tend to get outperformed by the guys later down the draft. And with some guys that I can't wait to see what they do in a couple of years, Indianapolis's Will Mallory, Cowboys, Luke Schoenmacher. Like, I'm not saying that the guys up higher in the draft are dead in the water. I'm more just begging the question. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, well, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I mean, plus, I mean, we need D-line anyway, so that's exactly. fine. Exactly. Do you want to wrap up? Do you have anything else we want to cover? You know, I could keep talking to you. But <laughs> it's, it's been almost an hour and a half. It's the listeners. <laughs> I'm thinking of them. We do this for you. We do this for you guys. But so, Nick, 
great latest episode of the Bear With Us podcast. Folks, if you can drop us a review, five stars on whatever platform you have. I see 15 reviews. Let's see if we can't get to 20. DM us what you like about the podcast. DM us what you think we need to change about the podcast. And Nick, before you go, what's some stuff that we can follow throughout the rest of the week? Well, I'm I'm doing decent DFS again. If this blows up, it'll be three out of the last four weeks that have gone very well. So my contrarian article might be something people should tune into. Uh, outside of that, um, I'll probably drop a video this week. We'll see on Tyson Bajant. That should be fun. And uh, yeah, just conversations on Twitter. I enjoy it. So just follow and just hit me up. Absolutely. And keep an eye out for me every day as we go through the rest of this week on DBB. Keep an eye out for the Tuesday night film breakdown, the next Bear With Us podcast episode coming to you on Thursday morning. And until next time, Bears fans, bear down. And thanks so much for bearing with us. 